Way down in Missouri When I heard this lullaby While the stars were blinking And the moon was shining high Welcome to Show in Missouri, the history of Missouri, one county at a time. This time we are in Madison County, down southeast Missouri, very southern part of the lead belt, uh, down Highway 67. Uh, we are in one of the prettiest counties, and for my money, the absolute prettiest courthouse in the entire state. I've always loved this courthouse. It is a beautiful building. We're going to talk about the history of it here. Uh, but first, let me tell you, it was found, Madison County was founded on December 14th, 1818, the 11th county founded. Of course, named for James Madison, 498 miles of beautiful hills and one of the prettiest places in the world you could possibly ever live. We are joined by John Bennett with the Historical Society. Thank you for making the time, sir. Thank you. How long have you, have you worked with the Historical Society? Uh, just the past eight years, I guess. Eight years now. I, we are here at the courthouse. From the courthouse, you have a museum. Where would it be walking from the courthouse? It's uh, half a block north on North Main Street from the courthouse and uh, on the west side of the street, the and former former county jail building. And when when is that open, or where can folks find it on the Internet? It's open on Tuesday afternoons to the general public or by appointment and um, on special occasions such as our annual Azalea Festival or sure. whatever. So. Um, we're also joined by Lon Raycop. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. All righty. You're also with the Historical Society? Been a member of the Historical Society for about 20 years. I've been active member for about 10 years when I came back to the county. I was gone for about 30 years. Was that right? Where'd you go? I went to Western Missouri, Clinton. Uh, where, where that's it? You bet. Uh, we're, here was Scott Bates. This is one of the coolest uh, business cards I've got doing this whole show. Uh, you're the site administrator for the Battle of Fredericktown Civil War Museum. Yes. Now, tell me how that came to be and where is that at and how can folks find it? Um, so the museum itself is one block south of the courthouse um, on the west side of the street uh, across from the post office. Um, the uh, museum came about because it, it began as a preservation project. The uh, building that we're in was built in 1877 uh, and was uh, scheduled to be destroyed and demolished. Uh, and a, a preservation group came together, uh, the Foundation for Historic Preservation formed, uh, purchased the building, renovated the building, uh, and then decided to use it as uh, a Civil War museum. Uh, and I came on board about uh, 2013, I guess, uh, as uh, I, I was a student in, at Southeast Missouri State University. In oh. the historic preservation program, um, and so uh, I kind of got on board with the Civil War Museum, uh, and eventually uh, took over as site administrator. Uh, and and I'm actually the the president of the board of the Foundation for Historic Preservation currently as well. That's awesome. That, that's a cool thing. We'll talk a lot more about that as we go along. And then uh, Larry Kemp, uh, Second District Commissioner. Commissioner, thank you for the hospitality. Thank you. This thank is you for coming and give us our county a little publicity. My whole life, I'm a Butler County guy, that's where I'm from. I have driven through Madison County my entire life. Uh, there's records that show sometimes a little too fast through Fredericktown. Uh, but it, it is one of my favorite places, some of the nicest people uh, I've ever been lucky enough to come in contact with. 
was here uh, right through. I'm old enough to remember the that um, Cherokee Pass, the old dog and suds, right? Yep. Oh my goodness, that was the treat. Yeah. Once you get up that uh, when it used to be that <clears throat> curvy, windy 67, that was two lane, you could stop there because it's pretty much clean sailing up on the ball game or something. We'd stop there and eat about four o'clock or so, and we're heading to, heading the ballpark. So. I'm a longtime person, very familiar with Madison County, and, and love it. But I wasn't the first one to find it. The first uh, European settlers were Renault and Lamont. Is that correct? About 1721, 1723? They're, they're credited with discovery of the mine Lamont lead mines. Um, the actual discovery took place in 1715 when... Uh, Antoine Delamont Cadillac, who was then governor of the Louisiana, French-owned Louisiana Territory, and um, made a, an expedition because he had heard that, that there was mineralization in the, the area west of the Mississippi in, in what they called the Illinois country at that time. But, uh, and... Uh, Word got back to France. Of course, France was in rather troubled times at that, that point, and uh, uh, finances in bad shape. About that time, John Law came along and uh, convinced royalty to that there was wealth to be had in this area and um, formed the Company of the West. And then Renault was appointed director of mines under the Company of the West and made a, a trip back to, to this area in 1720 and, and actively worked the Milamot area. And when you say a trip back to this area, I mean, how long did it take to, 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 on a ship to cross the ocean? It had to be a had month, right? a while. There's, yeah. it's, it's been written that supposedly he picked up 500 slaves in, in the uh, Caribbean uh, but actually, a check of the the ships that were used, they could not possibly hold that many slaves and to work the mines. But uh, Renault had a sizable ex expedition and actively worked <coughs> mine Lamotte until 1742. Now, would mining have been something that was heavy slave intensive? At that time, yes, because it was primarily hand labor and shallow excavations. Okay. Uh, most of the lead at that time was found near surface, and uh, it was rather rudimentary. Okay. Because I would think it, mining wouldn't be something, as you think about it today, where you have to dig in and, and bring out, that might not be the most conducive thing for slaves, to use slaves in. Uh, but back in the day, if it was on the surface, I see your point. At yeah. that time, it consisted of, of pits and trenches, uh, and most of the excavations were less than 20 feet deep. So Now, as I read, the, the Indians tribes were Kickapoo, Chickasaw, Osage. Does that run the gamut? Or? I question the Chickasaws because if you look at the history of the Chickasaw Nation, they were primarily confined to south of the Ohio and east of the Mississippi. And they were they were not river travelers, um, but um, the uh, Osage claimed this most of this territory as as hunting grounds and defended it uh, heavily. 
Yeah. And they were the ones you didn't want to mess with, right? Right. The Osage were the meanest, most right. aggressive, the, right. anybody coming around, yeah. Um, so when the mine discovered, uh, when did the mine go out? How long would the mine have been active? It closed, Mine Lamont closed in 1959. Yep. And uh, there was, it was mined primarily through the 19th century in a desultory manner until the end of the 19th century when diamond drilling confirmed more extensive ore bodies at, at greater depths. And um, St. Joe Minerals Corporation at that time, St. Joe Lead Company uh, did a lot of exploration in the Mine Lamont area with by drilling and confirming, and uh, <coughs> prompted most of the heaviest and largest production years during World War II and and uh, throughout the 1950s. Always like to uh, ask about this time. How folks came to live here. Commissioner, how'd you come to live here in Madison County? Well, I was born here, so. <laughs> how'd your family come? My family came here in the 1830s from Tennessee. And uh, they had a few slaves whenever they came also. Very few. But uh, they settled in the southern part of the county. And where do you live at today? I used to live uh, just west of Fredericktown now. Now, is, uh, how would a person get to your family's farm if they was here at the courthouse? Well, the <coughs> family property is no longer in the family, what was considered back in the, in the day. Yeah. Uh, I've just owned my property for 20-some years. Yeah. So. But what, your family's farm, what town was it by? Where it would it? be by Jewett. It would right. be yep. down by, on the San Francis River in yep. the very southern part of the county, uh, southwestern part of the county. Yep. I have uh, caught catfish many times way down the San Francis River, down, uh, down by Neelyville. Uh, Mr. Bates, how did you come to live here in Madison County, uh, your family? I, I moved to Madison County in 2010 after uh, a stint in the military, uh, being away from my folks and stuff. My folks had moved here. Uh, we kind of bounced around, you know, growing up. Uh, but uh, Where did they move here from? Uh, they moved here from Illinois. Uh, they moved uh, just for... For job purposes. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Rigup, how did you come to live here? I was born here. lived my first 25 years here. Where'd your family, uh, how'd your family come here? My family came from Germany in 1850, and they ended up in Cape Girardeau. Yep. And through work, they started migrating up here to work <laughs> in the mines. So I, I am actually a fifth-generation miner, even though I didn't have a career in mining. I got to work in the mines for about four years. So uh, I'm a minor background. Oh, guten Tag. I'm a fellow German myself. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Bennett, how'd you, uh, how'd you and your family come live here in Madison County? Uh, most of my ancestry came from uh, the Carolinas and uh, my mother's side. Bennett, is that Irish? Is that English? Is that uh, Primarily, uh, actually, I just had my ancestor DNA analyzed and <laughs> It showed 37% uh, Scottish, but that includes Northern Ireland, which I've, I found out that that a good portion of my family was from Northern Ireland. And uh, that have been Ulster then, right? Yeah. His uh, his mom is Scottish. Yeah. 
and I'm also a Scottish Irish. Is that right? Yes. I was up. Oh, um, I was up in uh, Clark County, and I couldn't believe how everybody up there was Scottish. They were all. Everybody had red hair. And then the commission, presiding commissioner had the greatest mustache of anybody I've ever seen in my life. It is just off the charts. You, you wouldn't even believe it. I got, I'll put a picture up social media. I took three or four of them. It is, uh, they are Irish, very proud, I mean, Scottish, very proud to be Scottish. And they have, and that mustache is, uh, it's like a bad guy on an old railroad thing. It, it's, it's outstanding. I, I couldn't grow that kind of facial hair if you give me five years. There's just no way. Um, so I was reading the first farmer. Uh, of any size, it did roll crop with John Galloway, but he came like 1799. That was it was it took a while, I guess, for folks to do any sort of farming of any large scale. I guess they brought food in for the miners from other places. Then uh, it, it, I noticed the the trajectory changed. In 1800, they uh, gave out grants of 400 arpers, arpas, arpens, arpens. Now I know about we all know about what an acre is. How does an arpen correspond to an acre? <coughs> I never calculated and, it. Have I you? Either. And is that a <laughs> French term? It's an, a French term. Okay. Unit you know, of measurement. Um, but I forget what the conversion ratio is. You might look it up on. As I understand it, an arpen is a, is less than a uh, a mile, uh, an acre. An acre. But yes. maybe about three fourths, roughly, of an acre. Right. So these are pretty good plots that folks are getting give. Now, if you got give a plot here, though, they were wanting you to farm them. But I read where they'd find lead. Like you said, it was pretty close to the surface, and they'd start digging lead out of them instead of farming them. Uh, I don't, in the original grant, I don't recall any, any lead diggings in well, that 400 arpents. If uh, you got acres in Butler County, you would get rocks. Mm -hmm. They might not be lead, but you, you, your first crop would be a bunch of rocks. But the, the actual mine Lamont domain, which was... 24, 000, almost 24,000 acres, which was granted to the uh, by the federal government to the Pratts, St. Jim's, and Valley families from St. Genevieve that worked actively worked the mines in the 1700s. Um, was actually to the north of of what the 400 Arpent track that you're talking about, mm -hmm. which was the original settlement of St. Michael. That's right. We'll get to St. Michael's in a second. Uh, actually, we'll talk about it right now. The first county seat. I don't think people, I, I didn't know the first county seat was in Fredericktown. It was actually St. Michael's. And Commissioner Kemp, your predecessors first met February 12th, 1821. It was William Dillon, Henry Whitener, and Nathaniel Cook. They first met at St. Michael's for the first court. And then in 1819, they uh, selected a commission to find a permanent county seat or maybe change it. And I guess that commission came back with Fredericktown. Now, Fredericktown, I guess it's, it's in the center, east and west, but it's a little further north than yeah, south, right, north. Uh, for the county. Normally, they put those pretty – where would St. Michael's be from Fredericktown? Due, nor <laughs> due north. So they went even farther north. No, uh, right across the creek, down from the Historical Society. Yeah, oh, oh, so it's like literally up, next up the street. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. next yeah. door. Now, That's, is it still a town, or that is it incorporated into Fredericktown, or – I've been, I've been trying to find that for the last three years. Whenever uh, Frederick County absorbs St. Michael, sometime in the middle 1850s, but I have not proved when it was yet. <coughs> so they just annexed them in, basically. Yeah, or they ceased actually, to exist. The actually, flood. the old village 
was was flooded out. I forget what year it was like. Eighteen fourteen. Yeah, early eighteen hundreds. Right. Eighteen teens. And they moved further to the north, out around the community we call Village Creek now, and it's, that's okay. what they call the new village. And um, but uh, I think for what Lon's talking about, the, the remnants of the old village wasn't destroyed until eighteen fifties, something like that. Yeah, I've looked on some. Some old maps I've seen where St. Michael and Fredericktown are both listed probably in the 1850s, but much after the Civil War, you don't see St. Michael anymore. That's interesting. So once they, I guess, moved across the creek, a little higher ground, I assume, they built a courthouse here in 1822 out of brick, which was not, not really most courthouses built before the Civil War were wood. Very few were actually brick. This one was brick and then a great story. <coughs> Excuse me. The first jail was built out of logs, and somebody didn't think that through too good because a, a guy, the only thing I had was his name was Farland. He ended up burning the place down, the first jail, kind of clearing it out for him. Then I read where um, a little further up, uh, they, they, uh, they used that courthouse, that brick courthouse, till 1899. Uh, then they paid a guy 25 bucks to tear it down. So it must not have been that big of a job. Even 1899 money, uh, 25 bucks ain't bad, ain't, ain't much. They built, uh, they, they passed a bond issue to build this courthouse. And what a beautiful courthouse. It was September 5th, 1899. They, they approved it. Uh, it started off at $18,093 by uh, Theodore Link, constructed it. Uh, Commissioner, you'll sympathize with this. The final project was $22,100, which... Really sounds like a lot of change orders, but really, if you just got hit with uh, one six change orders, that that's about par for the course, right? And they built it in a pretty short length of time, from what I heard, and did a beautiful job. The cupola here is just tremendous. This is a, it, this is a truly beautiful courthouse that I would assume people have to have a sense of pride in here in the community. Now, I would think a building like this, though, is not easy to maintain and keep up. No, and it needs a new heating and cooling system also. I'll bet that's right, yeah. Among other <coughs> I started to say, have, uh, that ain't the end of the list, I guarantee no, you. No. Our courtroom is not handicapped accessible, which is a problem. Uh, well, in a way now that they do all this COVID stuff, you could just do it virtually, right? Well, they pretty much cut the court out for a while. Is that right? Because of the handicap access? Well, because of the COVID. Yeah, I've mm -hmm. seen that. Yeah. We're going to interview uh, on my TV show... Uh, Judge Powell, but I think they're about to, uh, I think they're about to go back to having court, or at least the option for in-person court and then phase it back in, but um, how do you handle something like that? Like, how does that, how does that practically work? Well, I've been in a lot of courthouses. I was in a Lincoln County courthouse, and they had to spend, gosh, they told me it was like a quarter of a million dollars to put an elevator in that old courthouse. What, what happened, who comes and says, this is bad, you have to change it, or what's that process like? They have looked at putting an elevator in this building and it's really not feasible. <clears throat> and there's nothing to tie to to hold on to it? Or? Well, there's no way you could hardly do it on the inside. You'd have to do it on the outside. Which, gotcha. you know, that takes your historical preservation away from it or whatever, you know. And there's, if they put an elevator to go to the courtroom, it would have to open into the courtroom. And just, there's not a good way to do it. So our best option would be maybe someday to build an annex just for the court. Yeah, 
and, uh, and it would be accessible and uh, more feasible. It would also move the other offices down to the first level and everyone would be accessible then. Yeah, I noticed your most courtrooms are not on the first floor. No. Uh, this is one of the rare courthouses where I, I figured it had something to do with the accessibility uh, and ADA issues because that, that, that's a unique thing. Usually your offices are on the first floor and then the courthouse, the courtrooms are on a higher plane. But yeah. <clears throat> that's interesting. Um, now I want to talk, uh, Mr. Bates, talk about the Civil War. Before we do, though, I want to thank our sponsors. The Missouri Farm Bureau, the Missouri Association of Counties, the Missouri Association of Electric Cooperatives allow us to come to places like Fredericktown, talk about the history of Missouri and Madison County. I want to thank them. But, Mr. Bates, tell me about the Battle of uh, Fredericktown. So, First of all, let me ask you a question before then. Back up one. Right. So the Civil War. Uh, most of southeast Missouri, I would say, you know, there were Germans that were generally pro-Union. But for the most part, southeast Missouri would be similar to southwest Missouri, had a lot of Confederate sympathies. Was Madison County a rebel county or Union County? I would say overall it was a Confederate sympathizing county. Yep. Um, <coughs> uh, from a lot of the, the research that I read, there were um, there were sympathies for both sides, um, but a lot of it was uh, Southern sympathize Southern sympathizing. I've seen a lot of people think of Missouri in different ways in the Civil Wars. You know, history gets politicized. Everything does. It's kind of common sense. But Missouri had a real strong leave us the hell alone streak to it. Yeah. Just take your fight, and we'll decide with the winner, and we don't leave us alone. It was the Union and General Lyon that kind of pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed some of those folks that were maybe sympathetic to the South but just wanted to be left alone to being more supportive. And I've seen that. That happened a lot in, the, in Little Dixie in, in mid-Missouri. Uh, a lot of your strong Southern support from there started off as just leave us alone, and the Union wasn't interested in that. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the more famous characters around the Civil War down in Southeast Missouri was Sam Hildebrand. Sure. Uh, uh, and, and he very much started off that way. He just wanted to be left alone. Uh, and they wouldn't do it. And they wouldn't do it. And, and it Jesse caused, James it started off, Quantrill started off being pro-Union, and then his family died. And ways that he felt like the government did, and uh, the government regretted that one. Uh, uh, but anyway, so so I, I so Madison County pretty much in line most of southeast Missouri. If you had to pick, you'd say it was a Confederate county, but more it's always a little more nuanced than that. So uh, around here, I noticed there was a lot more registration for the South than the North, but like most Southern Confederates because they weren't supplied well, you didn't stay that long in the Confederate Army. The average, if you went to the Union Army, most people fought through the end uh, of the war and stayed. Most people in the, South, the Confederate Army, the first chance they were up, they didn't re-up because the food and the travel and the, you know, it just wasn't well supplied. Uh, Madison County provided a lot more soldiers for the South. However, I was seeing uh, that the Southern, uh, the Southern Battalion come up through here Right, and maybe ticked off some folks on their way. That, now, I guess it started when they burned, burned down the bridge, right? Yes. You tell the story. You want to tell so, it better than me. So uh, General Jeff Thompson uh, made a trip up north of here to uh, burn the, the Big River Bridge, uh, which was part of the, the rail line uh, between St. Louis and Pilot Knob. And on the way back, uh, 
was seen by Union soldiers that were already kind of in a skirmish here on October 18th. Um, and so word got back that, uh, that he was here. Um, and so Union troops were sent from Pilot Knob and, and from Cape Girardeau, um, and some came down from St. Louis to try and, and kind of trap him. Uh, but he was able to intercept some, some reports and some orders and, and found out that they were coming and was able to kind of spring his own little trap for him. So tell me how, so the Battle of Fredericktown is set up <coughs> by Confederate soldiers coming through, then burning down the Iron Mountain uh, Bridge, Iron Mountain Railroad Bridge out of Jefferson County, right? Yeah. Then he figured, I've ticked these guys off, I better fall back a little bit, fell back to Fredericktown, and then decided to set up an ambush because the Union had realized what they'd done and was coming for him. Now, I've, I've, read, I've read a lot of accounts of this because it was, it, Pilot Knob and the Battle of Fredericktown were about the closest battles, of, of large battles, to Butler County, where I'm from. And it, I've read accounts where the Confederate soldiers, they had to forage because they were just not supplied. So when you forage, you generally take people's stuff. Forage is a.k.a. stealing stuff. Sometimes people will give it to you. Most of the time, you take it. So some of the locals might have tipped off to the ambush, the Union Army. There, There is a record that uh, somebody that lived on the west side of town uh, was able to tip off some of the Union soldiers that that, that he was here and he was south of town, uh, which kind of led for a, a formation. Uh, you know, the troops all arrived and they kind of gaggled here at the courthouse. Uh, was able to, to set up cannons here uh, around the, the court square area um, and, then, and then make a, a move south uh, with some, uh, some scouts. So they set this ambush up. Um. And I guess it goes well at first, right? Yeah, it, at first it goes well, uh, and then you know, as as everyone from the Union side began to march south, <laughs> uh, and and the numbers uh, began to overwhelm, uh, one of the shots uh, that rang out from the Union cannons actually hit, uh, made a direct contact, <coughs> and and knocked the the only Confederate twelve pound cannon off of its rails. Uh, and so uh, they lost their their length yeah. of, of fire. So they had to resort to a six-pound cannon that didn't have the range, uh, didn't have the distance, uh, and then were, were just overwhelmed by sheer numbers at that point. So the end of the, the, the battle, if you read, is a pretty big conf uh, Confederate loss, right? Yes. Uh, now, where did they go after the battle? Um, they fled south uh, down into southern Missouri, down into Boot Hill, down into the swamps, mm -hmm. uh, and kind of stayed down around that area. Tried to regroup. Tried to and this regroup. was early in the war, correct? Late 1861? 1861. What, what was the... Um, I've always found that once the Union Army came, while there might have been Confederate sympathizers, the Union Army didn't forage a whole lot. Yeah. But what they did do was at times mistreat the civilians. I mean, these are people from Iowa and Illinois. They're not Missourians. And while they, they had their own supplies, they weren't that nice to the population all the time. Did you have issues of that here in Fredericktown? Um, there were some issues right after uh, the battle. Uh, there have been some reports uh, in 
various sources uh, that that talked about uh, you know some of the Union soldiers burning down some some houses you know of the, of the people that lived here that that they thought were Confederate sympathizers uh, so you know that that was they, they also issue. destroyed the smelters at mine Lamont too it was a big loss at that time there was there was probably five primary smelters and two ash furnaces. Why wouldn't they just take them over? Why did they destroy them? They didn't want, you know, they wanted to eliminate the capability of smelting lead for for the southern forces. Why wouldn't they just take them over and smelt the lead for the Union? It's a good question. I don't think there was any uh, <coughs> any troop or any troops or any enforcing people left in in the county after they yeah I, th I think after the battle I don't think they left enough support here uh, to, to oversee it, it not being controlled again by the south there's, there's also a record in the, in the, the Union Provost Marshal's uh, files that, that's in the Secretary of State's office that uh, shows a request from Francois Valley to rebuild a smelter at Mine Lamotte that was destroyed during the Civil War. I uh, forget now it's dated later during the war, about 1863, something like that. But, uh, was it denied or? It was granted eventually. After an investigation of, of the Fleming family who, who were then the owners of, of the Mine Lamotte domain, and they were found to be essentially southern sympathizers, but uh, capitalists, also capitalists. Yeah. Also. Uh, all right. Before we take our break, Mr. Raycock, that that story is that you got another Battle of Fredericktown story? I definitely have some information. That's how I become interested in history. Of I, I was researching my own family. Mm -hmm. And started going to the Historical Society 20 plus years ago. Now, your family being Germans are probably pro Union, right? My paternal side was definitely in the Union. My maternal side was down from where Commissioner Kemp is from, and they were pro Southern. And it was really interesting that you mentioned Lyon, <coughs> and, and Scott might be able to back me up on this. I think Lyon issued an order that he drew a line from. Lawrence, Kansas, to Jefferson City, Missouri, I think to Fredericktown or Pilot Knob, and then to Cape Girardeau. And any, anybody that was found south of that line uh, that had a gun was to be executed. And my great-great-great-grandfather, Ed Sanders, and I believe a Mr. Kemp, yes. Ellis Kemp, were executed on the same day or maybe days apart. Same day, I think. And, uh, the Second Amendment didn't mean much to the General Lyon, I guess. Uh, so, so yeah, my, my family was mixed. Yeah. My great-great-grandfather was Ellis Kemp. He lived at Juliet. He was 40-some years old. He was not in the Confederate Army, but he was a recruiter for the, for the Confederate Army. If someone wanted to join the Confederacy, they went through him. He sent them down this river. They followed the river down to Greene County, Arkansas, where they would usually join up with the Confederate Army. Greene County would be like Blyville? Somewhere in that area. Yeah. It's the first county. It 
you go into the hearings yeah. or anyhow, uh, they found out about it, and some Union soldiers dressed up in civilian clothes, pretending that they wanted to join the Confederate Army, they went to the area down there. Was a guy asking folks, where can we find Mr. Kemp? Well, he's over there. So they went over there, they got him, they took him out and shot him. <clears throat> and then Mr. Sanders the same way. <clears throat> in my office in Jeff City, I have one painting hung up, and it's a painting of General Order 11 by George Caleb Bingham. Everybody, you, you try to go about all you want to, but you just go to open history book and they'll question your judgment. So no due process, just execute him. They murdered him, really. And his 10-year-old son was with him at the time, and they told the kid, you go on home. And the kid started leaving, and pretty soon heard a gunshot. Wow. That is, a, that is an amazing story. The same thing happened to my great-great-great-grandfather. His daughter, my great-great-grandmother, was at the house, and, and they caught him, and they were going to execute him with his own gun, and she took the bullets out of the gun. And they, and they took Mr. Sanders out, away from the house, and executed him. Wow. We just put a, a new stone up down at the cemetery for my great-great-grandfather. Is that right? And that's part of things. Both of them are buried in the same cemetery. Mount Pisgah Cemetery. Wow. <clears throat> that, my great-great-grandfather, Sanders, was the first one buried. He was buried on his own farm down there <clears throat> on Mount Pisgah Cemetery. Wow. I did not know that about that line you're talking about. Huh. I, I, I don't know what general order it is, but it's, yeah, I don't know if it's 11. You mentioned general order 11, but yeah. it's it's one of them right in there. Just um, amazing amount of damage one person can do with power, mm -hmm. you know. He didn't survive the battle of Wilson Creek. And, and, and probably <laughs> one right, probably the world wasn't too worse off, you know. Let me tell you a different story I found about Madison County before we take our break. In um, February of 1844, now these are one of these Missouri stories, I, the, the truth of, I wouldn't vouch for, but it's an interesting story. A.W. Smith and John Vincent quarreled over a broken fence that was between their farms, and apparently Smith had a bit of a rough reputation. They fight over the fence and who, who owns it, who's maintaining it. So he waylaid and shot Vincent. Well... Vincent crawled all the way back to the to the house of a neighbor and told the told what happened before he died. Well, everyone in town believed Smith would do this exact thing. He was arrested, tried, and sentenced to be hanged quite quickly here in this uh, in this particular uh, building, I believe. Right? No, not yet. Right? Not wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been in this building. It would have been in the old one they tore down for twenty five dollars. So uh, he was sentenced to be hanged, pending an appeal to the Supreme Court, which I guess every execution was automatically as it is now you can appeal at the supreme court where his attorney had uh he he uh which his attorney had made and he was confined to the jail in fredericktown would that be the jail the that the historical size is at now it, it would be the one you talked about that was made out of wood that they burned made, down. Out of, made out of three layers of wood um so uh at that time an election uh drew together a number of vincent's friends and they decided that Smith did this, he was found guilty, and they didn't care what the St. Louis Supreme Court people said, they were gonna go lynch him. Um, the sheriff, however, and a number of other citizens guarded the jail and refused to give him. So the lynching party, I guess the lynching party gets together, 
gets their weapons and torches or whatever and makes a march. It's a pretty big spectacle. <coughs> the sheriff was waiting and said, no, we're going to wait till he gets his day. We're not going to be like the Union Army. We're going to actually follow the law. So uh, uh, they all, they stood up and said they will not do it. And the, the, the lynching party agreed to abide by a decision by vote whether or not Smith should be lynched. So I don't know how they drew the electorate. Maybe if this story is well known enough, you can tell me. But the sheriff reduced the guards. They, they had, I guess they voted on whether to lynch him or not. Uh, Smith did not win said election. The sheriff then reduced the number of guards, and they dragged the prisoner out. And they did summon a preacher, a Methodist preacher, Jesse Davis, compelling him to offer prayers for the condemned man, then they carried out their execution. Is that about, is, it, is that story told locally? Is that about how it went? Vinson was my great-great-great-grandfather. John Vinson was. It's really and, a miracle and, you're here today. I mean, I, think about well, it. Yeah, I had no idea you were going to bring that up, but <clears throat> through genealogy, I learned the story. Later on, they became Vincents, V-I-N-C-E-N-T, but that is exactly the, the story that I have in my family history. Wow. So it doesn't really say whether the lynching people voted or who voted, but apparently they had some sort of election, whether to lynch him or wait for the court, and Smith didn't do well in the election. He ended up getting lynched in front of the courthouse. And one other thing that I would add to that, and I don't know that it's true or not, but the people that participated in the lynching, most of them died within a very short time of doing the lynching. Just kind of like Julius Caesar's lynchers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk about Madison County today. You know, show Missouri history of Missouri one county at a time. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we're for the Missouri way of life. We're for worrying less about the what ifs and more about the why nots. We're for checking off your bucket list and then making a new one. For starting a family, a business, a tradition. And if you find yourself starting over, we're here for that too. We're for building a life in Missouri and then going out and living it. And when it comes to making sure everything you've built is protected, we're for you. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we've got Missouri covered for life. Welcome back to show Missouri. This is Missouri One County Time. This week we are in Madison County, Fredericktown, in southeast Missouri. Uh, always want to start thanking our sponsors, the Missouri Farm Bureau and Missouri Association of Counties, and the Missouri Association of Electric Co-ops let us come and uh, bring you the history of uh of the counties this week, we are in Madison County, joined by Commissioner Larry Kemp. Thank you uh, for the hospitality, sir. Historical name, Commissioner Larry Kemp. Uh, Scott Bates, the uh, administrator of the Battle of Fredericktown Museum. Thank you for your time. The man that it's, we've learned it's really a miracle that he's here today. His family has uh, is well intertwined in the history of Madison County. Lon Raycop, thank you for your time, sir. You're welcome. And John Bennett, the Historical Society. Let's talk about Fredericktown and how. Uh, how things are today. Uh, Commissioner, tell me about where most folks work when they, when they live in Fredericktown. Well, our two biggest employers, probably, well, our three biggest employers would be the school system, yep. Cap America, and probably Madison County Wood Products. And other than that, there's a lot of small businesses. Cap America, there's a, I have put many hats on. They make hats all over the world, don't they? And they sell more than one. Yeah, and you can get personalized, and you can call them up, they'll do... Orders for pretty small ones, even right. And they even did a lot of masks during the COVID. You know, Mike Keo told me that they were able to retrofit pretty quick for masks. Mm -hmm. Are they still turning them out, or is? Don't know about that now. <clears throat> I think they've had so many people make masks that they've about you know the the need is there. Uh, but that's interesting how you could 
you know, right here in Madison County, folks. Were, and a lot of people commute to other counties yeah. to work. I mean, a lot of people still work in San Francisco County, and a lot of people still go to San Luis. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Like each, they, they go up maybe four days a week, or they go up every day? Yeah, a lot of them go up every day. Is that right? You know, a lot of them used to work at the car plants, uh, yeah. McDonald's, and all these are Boeing now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when you went to SEMO, uh, I'm a SEMO guy myself. I guess a lot of folks are SEMO grads that end up here for, maybe they even work. You, 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 it's such a pretty place. You drive to be able to live here, right? Yeah. Raise your family here, you know, and you'd come back, correct? When you get the chance. I, w I was home about every month anyway, <laughs> but, but I lived in Clinton for 30 years. Yep. Uh, tell me about the school systems here. Uh. When you got Fredericktown and Marquand, obviously, what else is is that the run of them? We have a satellite building for Mac College. Yeah. And well, Mac does a good job. I mean, that that is a really impressive school uh, uh, place. I tell you, they they've done well. Fredericktown's school system has about two thousand students from K through twelve. Yep. Now, what what is the rivalry game? Well, we don't ever play each other. <laughs> Our rivalry game. Oh, where, like, would you, where would your Fredericktown rivalry game it be? It was always Farmington or yeah. Park Hills or Central. And is it a, is the football game bigger, the basketball game, both of them? Uh, that rivalry in football doesn't exist any longer because Farmington, they're in a higher. Yeah. They got into a bigger class than we are. But we still play in basketball. Got you. <clears throat> got you. Uh, Back when John was younger, probably Farmington, Farmington was, was, was a <coughs> football game. Farmington was our major rival when mm -hmm. I was in high school. And there was a time there where Fredericktown dominated it for a long time. It was four years that we were conference champions. And, uh, well, that's fun stuff. I hear people today talking about charter schools and all that, and I'm like, you didn't play football, did you? If you did, you, 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 our rival was in baseball, and it was Twin Rivers, and I hated those people. I hated every single one of them. Just blood-hated them. Now when I see them, you know, we – High five and talk about the good old days. And when I when I think of school, I don't think of a math test. I think of uh, I think of that Twin Rivers game where we just hated them. Oh, we, I'd be up at five thirty in the morning just ready to ready to play ball. Kind of like Mizzou, Kansas. Yep. When they call it the Border War, the Border War went back. Yeah. The border War. <laughs> it's it's amazing that Kansas is proud and call themselves after rapists and murders and thieves. I mean, the Jayhawk essentially was a was a modern day Antifa. You know, really, if you think about it, um, tell me about the politics here. Um, I remember Jim Graham back in the day, mm -hmm. state rep, a Republican, mm -hmm. when there was not that many in southeast Missouri. You always had a cape, was always a Republican, at least one there in Cape. And then you'd have Poplar Bluff was a little more Republican, more German. And then you had uh, Jim Graham. And that was kind of it. Uh, he was, I don't remember that the courthouse. The courthouses in all of rural Missouri were all very Democrat. <laughs> when did the is it change to you? What has been it? kind of split up for a long time. Mm -hmm. If you look back, especially in the presidential elections, they were kind of a bellwether county for a long time. We picked yep. a winner almost every time. <clears throat> What's it like now? It's Republican. <laughs> yeah. Especially uh, Trump. Trump got really was a major. higher percentage, I guess, than probably anyone <clears throat> who's ever run for president in this county. He got. Uh, I don't know, 82% or something like that. Yeah. And uh, no one, you know, used to it. Whoever won, they never got out of the 60s usually. But, uh, I watched under Obama uh -huh. a lot of 
Democrat courthouses, even down the boot hill, they became competitive. Mm -hmm. There was, instead of like a dozen straight Democrats, it might be six and six. And then, uh, you know, Trump was, is a really unique thing. as a real connection in Missouri uh, that I, I can't explain. No. I mean, it's a, a three-time divorced billionaire from New York City. <laughs> and, and my dad, my dad loves Trump. He never really was even that political. Loves him. And it's, it's not just he's support. I mean, rational people vote Republican, rational people Democrat, whatever you want to do. But you can make a case for either one. But he just loves him. It is an interest. And, and my dad is not alone in this state. It is a bizarre connection he well, has. You can ride around in our county now, and they still have their Trump flag oh, and I know. Trump stickers still out. Shocks me. Yes. The, the whole phenomenon is I used to wonder, like, how, you know, how could somebody get a following like that? Because in, in America, in my life, you never seen that. You saw people very strong supporters of one or the other, the politician on whatever level. But you didn't just see that devotion that Trump has in Missouri. And I'm sure there's folks that hate him just as bad in other places. I mean, he's a polarizing guy. It's but... in rural Missouri that he's like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I spent some time in St. Louis. You go and... back to the Depression and, and World War II era, and Madison County was predominantly Democrat. But and I would say... I mean, I obviously have only heard stories of the Depression. And whether he deserves credit or, you know, I'm not, I'm not the person that says who deserves it. But if I was as hungry and as in a bad way as folks were, and a president came in and, and my life got better during his time for whatever reason, that's almost like I understand why you'd have that devotion to somebody. Or if you fought a war and it was like Lincoln. And, but, but really none of that stuff really happened with Trump. And that same... I don't know if it's the same. It's just that a devotion is there. That's an in, it's hard to put your finger on all the the exact reason why his style was different also than the politics. I think that's what it is. It's got to be. That's interesting. It is an interesting thing, but it is very true in rural Missouri. Uh, there is no politician loved like Donald Trump. I watched in the Senate race we're going to have. I would say if Donald Trump came in and picked somebody, that old boy'd probably win. I mean, I I think my dad would probably try to. He's a Republican. I guess has been. He'd probably look at the game, but if Trump said this guy, he still live in Boulder or Butler County. My my dad, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, same farm, same string town, same. We can we can grow your crop of rocks any time of the year. Boy, <laughs> one. Uh, so the politics here would be Democrat trending to Republican with Trump, kind of. Yes. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how when you get people so fired up, if they still are fired up when he ain't around. It's going to be awfully hard for just a, re a normal politician. If, if George W. Bush came around following Trump, it's going to be very hard to excite people like that. It's going to be interesting, especially in rural Missouri, to see how that connection maintains. You know, um, So tell me about, uh, I always like to ask this, my last question. And one more time, I want to thank our uh, sponsors, the Missouri Farm Bureau, Missouri Association of Counties, the Missouri Association of Electric Cooperatives, let us come to beautiful places like one of my favorite places we've been to, Madison County. If you're on a road trip one day, go down Missouri's Main Street, Highway 67. You can drive by an international airport. You can drive by, you know, fancy suburbs, Kirkwood, just trendy, Webster Groves area, you know, liberal paintings and all that stuff. You can drive by suburban communities, good folks in, in Jefferson County, good union folks. You can go down and drive through the parkland and see some pretty places. And you can come to places like Madison County, just just beautiful, and come and see this courthouse. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna text me or message me on Facebook and say thank you for 
making sure of the courthouse. Uh, but I want to start by asking you, Mr. Bennett, where do you like to eat here first? I like it. You, you, this is a podcast, but if you see me on my TV show, you can tell I like to eat. Where do you like to eat here in Madison County? Primarily, you know, the past year I've ate at home. <laughs> Occasionally go through a drive-through, and that's about it. But uh, well, if you had somebody come down from St. Louis, where would you take them here, and what should they know about Madison County? Probably the depot. It's uh, it's the old <coughs> Missouri Pacific Railroad mm-hmm. depot that was built on the, the Belmont branch of the St. Louis and Iron Mountain Railroad, and. Uh, it's now, where's that at from Fredericktown? It's just up North Main Street. Okay. You continue across Saline Creek, and uh, uh, it'll be just a little east of North Main, just about a half a block. And um, but uh, you get to enjoy a, uh, an atmosphere of a historic building and and good food also. Well, always good to visit with uh, a Scotsman, my my son can half commiserate with you about it. Appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Raycop, uh, tell me if you had somebody come up from, let's say they come in from East Coast or something, uh, where would you take them here in Madison County? What should they know? Well, take them to eat. I would take them to the pig, because the, the pig, pig? pig barbecue. That's, that's one of our old high school jaunts. See, I knew a fellow yeah. German would know where to eat. I could <laughs> tell. <laughs> And as far as taking them to an interesting place in the county, I've been to a lot of them, usually with John or Larry here, taking a lot of hikes, and Silver Mines is my favorite place in the county. Silver Mines on the little, or the big St. Francis River, and it, to me it's a, the most beautiful place because it, it has rocks, granite rocks, but it also has the St. Francis running through it. Now, does the little flow into the the regular St. Francis River that I know of? Yes, it does. Okay, the little St. Francis yeah. flows into the big St. Francis. Yep. Uh, Mr. Bates, I can't tell you how excited I was to see this business card. Congratulations. This is a really cool thing to have uh, a, a, something to keep the, the the memory of that battle alive. That is a that is a real, I have such admiration for you for uh, taking the time to, to be involved and, and do something like this. This is a really exciting thing. But tell me, outside of the museum, where would you take somebody? Let's say um, uh, Pilot Knopf's too close. But let's say you, uh, oh, I was up in, uh, speaking of Scottish folks, I was up in Glasgow. They had a battle of Glasgow and prices raid across the state. Uh, if they came down, where somebody that, that, that's a historian in that, where would you take them? What, what should they know? Um, you know, honestly, when people come down to visit, my favorite thing to do with them is just take them on a drive. Now, if you was going to take me to where the Battle of Fredericktown was actually fought at from the courthouse, where would you, where would it be? Straight down South Main. About how far? All of it. Um, the battle literally took place from the courthouse all the way down South Main to, uh, which it's now a cemetery. Uh, well, I guess that makes sense, right? And, yeah. Um, <coughs> but it's, it's that whole area. Um, you know, people through town that live on Delmar Street um, still dig artifacts out of their backyard uh, that's you know. awesome so uh, you know I literally just like to take people on a drive um, you know there's there's a lot of, of great architecture here in Fredericktown uh, a lot of great history uh, you know the, the German heritage here in downtown we have a lot of great brick buildings uh, wow. our courthouse is absolutely amazing um, 
you can see uh, some of the, the, the French influence in some of the buildings and some of the older buildings in town. Um, uh, you know, we, we've got a couple of Art Deco buildings here in town. Uh, you know, so my favorite thing to do is just go on a drive and say, look at the, look at the beauty that Madison County has to offer. Uh, Commissioner, if you had old Vince Lampy come up 67 from Butler County, our commissioner, and um, where would you take him here, and what, what should he know about Madison County? Well, I would have taken him to the Olympic Steakhouse, but since COVID came along, it's no longer open. So I would probably go to the depot with John. Well, I tell you what, I appreciate the hospitality. Love this place. Oh, go ahead. And if I was going to take someone somewhere to see something, I would go out to Millstream Gardens where their shut-ins are, big kayak event out there. And it's the number one whitewater place in the state. All right, now, you said Mill Spring. Mill Stream. I, I know what you're talking about. Well, we know Mill Spring and Mill Stream. How'd you get to Mill Stream from downtown here? You take 72 West, mm -hmm. and you go about eight miles or eight or nine miles, and there's a sign that says Mill Stream Gardens. And it's owned by the conservation now. They own, I think, 600 acres in there. And it also connects to silver mines. So silver mines is, is also a uh, national forest campground, too. So it's a national forest? Right. I remember Governor Nixon telling me about uh, I mean, He was a big, big believer in in uh, state parks, and he was telling me about uh, the white, white waters. This actually was the weekend they were going to have their races. They have been, they normally do three days, but this year, since the COVID, they were only going to do the Yeah, chilly out there right now, wasn't it? They don't care. They wear, <laughs> they wear dry suits, and it doesn't matter how cold it is, as long as there's water. Well, I tell you, I, uh, I do a little canoeing on Kurt River, and I mean, boy, Memorial Day is a little chilly. I can't imagine St. Patrick's Day. It's getting there. more and more popular all the time. I mean, there is, that is awesome. people from, they come from Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, Illinois, Iowa. I like it. So are they going to, a lot of folks have pushed stuff back because of COVID. Are they going to push some stuff back? or? Yeah, they were going to have a, Saturday was supposed to be a downriver race. They were going to go from yeah. the street down to Silver Mines. But now they put it back to Sunday because the water is higher than normal. So Okay, so because of the water. And usually they have a slalom race. Well, maybe COVID that, couldn't survive in that cold water. This year they were just going to do the downriver, and that was all yeah. they were going to do. Well, I, I appreciate the hospitality, Commissioner. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, honored to be uh, in Madison County. I, I, I I say it and I, with passion because I mean it. One of my favorite places in the world. Just you, there. I've never found an ugly part of Madison County. It is just a beautiful place. It, it's like uh, you go on those college campuses sometimes, and they have everywhere you look. It's somewhere nice and done. In Madison County, nature is just so beautiful everywhere you look. So thank you for letting me be here, and we'll see you next week here on Show of Missouri, the History of Missouri, one county at a time. Way down in Missouri. When I heard this lullaby While the stars were blinking And the moon was shining high